Thank you for joining the worship services of Shoto, Brady, and Dutton United Methodist Churches. I'm Pastor Julie King, and I'm so grateful for digital technology that allows you to join us from wherever you are in the world. You can join us every week by clicking the links on our Facebook at facebook.com shotoumc or on our website at umshoto.net. If you like what we are doing and would like to financially support us in ministry, you can find more contact information on our website, and again, that's umshoto.net. We're so grateful that you are joining us. Hear these words from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. By turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Jesus, rebuked Peter, and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind on divine, not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you out here in uh, Montana. Uh, it is a beautiful place, and I have to tell you, the weather is just incredible. We, we are used to 95 and 50, 60% humidity, so we woke up this morning. It was in the 40s, and we didn't pack t-shirts and shorts, so we were like, ha ah! But no, this is, it is a wonderful uh, opportunity to be out here with you. Let me say a few words of introduction about myself before we get to the preaching, uh, just in case you all don't know much about me. But like Julie said, my name is Seth Okegley Gibson. Um, I'm a provisional elder here in the Mountain Sky Conference, but I live and I serve in the Tennessee foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. So a little bit different mountains, the, the short, flat, green mountain. Um, <laughs> I'm at First United Methodist Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, just outside of Knoxville, and I'm the pastor of worship and music. Um, I oversee a vibrant music ministry, uh, we coordinate worship for three services a week. Um, I oversee the Young Adult and College Ministry, as well as the uh, Liaison for Missions and the Social Concerns Committee. So I stay quite busy. It's a, it's a, it's a busy place. Uh, I'm married to Jared, who I'm glad was able to join me this morning. And we have an adorable 1940s cookie-cutter government house that we just absolutely love. And we have a big brown and black dog named Benedict who lives in it with us, named after the saint, not the Pope. <laughs> 
My background before my call to ministry uh, was in vocal arts, music. Um, I studied vocal music education at East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, uh, and then received my Master of Music from the University of Tennessee, which is in Knoxville. I have taught elementary school, performed in and directed at various levels of regional and community theater, um, and I've adjunct taught at two universities. And as you heard, I'm a pianist and organist, and I've done that since I was five. So now, what did I just tell you? Did I tell you who I am? No, I told you what I do. And there's often an equation of those two pieces. Who we are and what we do are almost interchangeable in the way our language functions. But they really serve different roles and different purposes. Stanley Hauerwas, who, uh, who's an American theologian and ethicist, says that the question, what ought I to be, precedes the question, what ought I to do? That order is crucial. That indicative who we are must come before that imperative of what we do and, and what, how we live. The who we are has to be identified and answered before the what we do. That who we are part, that's our essence. That is our identity, or, or one of our identities, because we all have multiples. That's the core of our being. In our reading today from the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is kind of probing, right? Trying to check out what people are saying about him and what he thinks the disciples say about him. So he asked them, who, do, who are people saying that I am? What are you hearing? And they listed off some very reasonable options, right? John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. Makes sense. But then Jesus asked again, and he directs it straight to them saying, but who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter pipes up and says, well, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You know, that means anointed, the anointed one, the liberator, the victor, the savior, right? Peter's claim that you are the Christ makes an astounding statement. If we put this back in the book of Mark and look through, through the story so far, Jesus hasn't done anything particularly Christ-ish, Christ-like yet. So far, we just have a story of, you know, a, a, a wandering teacher collecting some followers here. The few texts, Jewish texts, that come in between the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, um, they paint a very different picture of what a Messiah will look like. And that's kind of what Peter is basing his image off of, um, saying that the Christ will be this victor, this, this military figure that will overthrow this oppressive government and, and reinstate the people uh, of Israel back in power. So all of this means that Peter's comment is anticipatory, in some ways prophetic, right? We haven't seen anything. It's not that Peter's like, oh yeah, well, watching you do that, and that makes me think of this intertestamental book I read, right? That's not how Peter's thinking. He's, he, he's just seeing what Jesus is doing. Um, and at this point, um, you know, Jesus, or Peter is convinced that Jesus is the one that will purify their society. That's a language that they use, was going to be purified for the Jewish faith, and reestablish Israel's supremacy among the nations. This, this statement that Peter makes is kind of a public, all right, I'll put my money on this guy. Jesus, he's kind of got it going on. And that's close, but no cigar, Pete. Uh, St. Peter gets stuck on what it is exactly that Jesus is doing. What is his, his stuff to do as the Messiah? He's supposed to overthrow the government and build up a military and free the Jewish people. We know that because when Jesus mentions just a few verses later, he's going to die. Peter's like, whoa, 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 that's not it. You're supposed to uh, overthrow the government. How can that happen if they kill you? You have to liberate us, right? So we see that, that, that Jesus already is starting to indicate this is not the kind of Messiah that he is. This is not what he's going to do. 
Peter is just stuck on that, what will you do as Messiah, right? We ask our political candidates that often, well, what will you do? And I think sometimes we might want to ask, who are you? But what will you do? And Peter is just as stuck on that. So Jesus kind of corrects him with one of my favorite Jesus sayings in the Bible, top five, really, and that is, get behind me, Satan. If you grew up with the King James like I did, you know it is, get thee behind me, Satan. My mother would tell me that on frequent mornings. I was not going to wake But that's kind of a harsh claim, right? Get behind me, Satan. Peter's just confused. He's just saying what he thinks. Throw him a bone, Jesus, come on. But Jesus doesn't. And that serious tone tells us that it is important what he's about to say. That message that Jesus gets to next is so important and we don't want to miss it. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. So Jesus says to Peter, no, 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 no. You missed it. You missed what it means to be a Jesus follower. It's about denying oneself and taking up one's cross. Self-denial and cross-bearing. These are the marks of our Christian identity. We are rooted in this as Christian people. And what I love about those, those two marks Jesus gives us, there's one that says who we are. We're self-denying. We're humble. We're selfless people. But then Jesus also gives us a, what do we do? We take up our crosses. We trust in God and we surrender everything we have. So these are the marks of a Christian identity, but we all have other identities too. Nobody has just one identity. We are a conglomeration of those who are we statements. Um, I have an identity as a cisgender male and as white. I have an identity based on my native English language and my learned languages. I have an identity as a Southern Appalachian and yes, that does extend beyond my funny talking accent. We go a little beyond that. There's a lot in Appalachia that builds an identity in us. We're all that way, though. We all fit in these sociological categories that sort of help us create the big picture of who we are. What is our identity? But for today, let's look at those, those two Christian marks. The two marks of Christian identity. Self-denial. For us as Christians, self-denial means renouncing ourselves as the center of existence. And that's tough because that goes against our nature as humans. We want to put ourselves first and think about ourselves and, and, and the betterment of ourselves, which is good in many ways. But Christ calls us to recognize that he is in the center of our life and is our true middle. It means acknowledging that our old self is dead and that our new life is found with Christ in God. In our baptisms and our confirmations, we lay to rest that old life. We ritually put it down. And we are born anew into the family of God. We have denied what we see for ourselves and trusted what God sees for us. Now, self-denial is not a blatant disregard for your own desires or your interests. It's not like self-mortification or, or succumbing to pain voluntarily or anything like that. It's just a letting go of the control of your life for yourself and allowing God to be at that center of your being. When we are willing to sacrifice our time, our energy, our positions, our reputations, our privileges, and our comforts, that's when we most embody Christ. We exemplify what it means to deny ourselves. We're also called to take up our crosses. And for this one, I kind of want to start with what Jesus doesn't mean. And that doesn't mean 
the cross as some burden that we have to carry, right? A strained relationship, or a thankless job, or crazy family, not that any of us have that. A physical illness, right? Those are things that we, with self-pity pride, we, we kind of throw them on and say, well, that's my cross to bear, I'll just, I'll just carry it, right? And that's not what Jesus means here. When Jesus carried his own cross up that hill to Golgotha to be crucified, no one looked at him and went, oh, he's got a burden. They looked at that cross and saw death. They saw the only thing that the cross meant was brutal murder in an inhumane way. Well, 2,000 years later, we Christians have sort of reclaimed that cross, right? We, we claim that as an image of atonement and forgiveness, grace and love. But in Jesus' day, when, when the Gospel writer is, is, is putting this book together, that's not what it meant. It just meant a torturous death. And because Romans forced their convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to their death, that cross and carrying a cross meant carrying their own execution device to their death. So, take up your cross and follow me doesn't mean, you know, do what you have to do. It means being willing to walk that mile to your own death for Jesus. I don't mean here a physical, literal death, but I mean a death to self. It's a call to absolute surrender. After Jesus commanded that cross-bearing, he said, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake for the gospel will save it. The call is tough to pick up and carry a cross, but the reward, the reward is matchless. So let's look inside for just a minute. Is our Christian identity built around those two marks? Are we denying ourselves and allowing Jesus in? And are we carrying that cross to our death to self? Have we surrendered our total lives to Jesus? I know sometimes I do really well at that. And then sometimes I'm not so much. Sometimes I think I know what I'm doing. You know, God, it's all right. I see that, but I'm going to do this. This is better. And that never is better, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and I wonder if some of us have that experience where we think, I don't need to deny myself right now. I think I know what's going on. And we just make the decisions. And that's not exactly what God calls us to do. It takes time to practice um, allowing ourselves to, to experience God and feel God outside of our comfort area. So we start by taking little baby steps to follow and choose Jesus. I don't mean that decision moment uh, in the South, the evangelical world, we come down the aisle and pray at the front, get saved and all that business. That's fine, but what I'm talking about are these tiny little minutiae details of our daily life that really point us into following Jesus. For some of us, that could be a really rigid like self-discipline process where you say, okay, before I make a decision, I'm gonna do no harm, all right, good, okay. This looks Jesus approved, I'll do it, right? That could be your process. Or for some of us, who think a little more flippantly, um, that could be just a little angel on this shoulder and a little demon on this shoulder and they argue back and forth, right? That's the same, that's the Holy Spirit nudging us and, and we answer those calls to righteous living so that we may truly follow Christ. Those little baby steps like that set us up on a path of true discipleship, to deny ourselves and letting Christ be at the true center of our lives. And then we take up our cross knowing that we must give everything we have to be the best that we can be, just as God created us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I will invite you to rise in body or spirit as we sing this next hymn together where he leads me. And as we're singing, uh, think of places where God is, is calling you. That doesn't necessarily mean a place to go to. 
but it just means a, a way that God is calling you to deny yourself and take up your cross. So let us sing here.
I loved the yeah after that. I don't know about all of you, but this is definitely one of those, my heart is feeling strangely warm Sundays. It has just been a very wonderful service. And so thank you, Seth. We are so grateful that you are here today. I would invite the ushers to please come forward at this time as we come to the time in our service where we worship through giving of our morning time, gifts, and selves.
Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Jared and I have so enjoyed your hospitality so far. We're here for another day, so we get to enjoy some good Montana uh, ethos here for the next couple days, and for that, we're grateful. But today, let us go in the strength of the Spirit, knowing that we are called to bear those marks of Christian identity, to deny ourselves, and to take up our crosses and follow Christ to the very end. And for that, we say thanks be to God. Let us go in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.